0: You know, as much fun as recapping Monday's game was, we're on the opposite end of the spectrum from this one. Brewers fall 8-3 to the Cubs. It got loud in there for Cubs fans. Weird day. Oh, well. Chalk it up. Burns pitching today. Let's talk about yesterday, just briefly. You are Locked On Brewers. Your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Good morning, it's Wednesday, July the 6th, I'm Dominic Petronio, this is Locked On Brewers. Even after walk-off epic wins, or really tough blowout losses where position player pitches, we're right here for you for your first listen in the morning, Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube as well. I'm a statistician of Bally Sports Wisconsin, bringing you all the news and nuggets you want to know about the brew crew this season. In this episode, we're not throwing a pity party, but we're taking a... An honest look at what the Brewers are doing right now. They are now 1-1 and in this series against the Cubs. They're in even five hundred six 6-6 this season against the Cubs, which is not something anybody expected coming into the year uh, on the season series. They're going for the series win today with Corbin Burns on the mound. We're going to talk about yesterday briefly. We're going to talk about what went wrong for Jason Alexander. Looking ahead as well, trade deadline is less than four weeks away, you guys. What are the Brewers thinking When it comes to additions, it's easy to say, oh, just go get a bat. Well, as we've talked about on this podcast, it's not going to be that simple. And in fact, today is the one-year anniversary of Rowdy Teles being acquired by the Brewers. So that's a little feather in the cap and a good day to talk about the the thought of what a new trade could look like and what the Brewers are going to be trying to do coming up here at the end of July. Eight to three loss uh, in this one yesterday. Jason Alexander gets the loss. You can say it wasn't entirely on him, but he did lose effectiveness in that sixth inning. He goes five and a third, eight hits, seven runs, six were earned, two walks, two strikeouts, and a home run by Seiya Suzuki. Brewers actually scored first in this game, a two-run homer from Rowdy Telez. And then after that, the uh, the Brewers, or excuse me, the Cubs scored the next eight runs of this game and put it away. We fast forward. To the uh, fifth inning, I don't want to do a full big recap here, but the fifth inning, the three runs came across for the Cubs. They got one earlier in the frame thanks to uh, an Ian Happ double that Luis Arias nearly knocked down and kept it on the infield. Instead, it just trickled off his glove and rolled up the third baseline. I'm not going to say he needs to make that play, but maybe it was a play that you sell out to just knock it down for and keep it on the infield because that led to a run scoring. Granted, who cares because the next guy homered anyway. That was Sayo Suzuki, and that gave the Cubs the lead at the time 4-2. to two. And Then things really unraveled in the sixth inning. And as we jump into the sixth inning and what went wrong for Jason Alexander in this game, first and foremost, he's a guy that does not get swings and misses. We know that. It is well documented. Two swings and misses in this entire game. And of the 23 balls in play, 12 of them were ground balls, which isn't a bad rate. It's a little lower than what he normally has. He is a ground ball specialist. For him, he needs the defense to be behind him. And there were a few plays that Rowdy Telez said post game that they should have made. Uh, I look at the double play in the first inning. It obviously didn't come back to bite them with Colton Wong not able to get the ball out of his mitt. Uh, Willie Damas tried to make an epic sliding stop in the fourth inning on another Jan Gomes grounder that didn't turn into a double play. It would have been a Herculean effort to turn it. But it was uh, a weird play nonetheless. He airmailed the throw as well. It was uh, an odd day for the defense, kind of picking up after the inside the park home run from Monday. But anyway, the sixth inning got away from the Brewers and got away from Jason Alexander. But I want to take you into the manager's mind and what I was watching, what I saw Craig Council having to quarrel with in this game. As you enter the sixth inning, the Brewers are still very much in this game. It's 4-2, to two, and yes, they're just relying on a Rowdy Telez home run, but you're into the Cubs' bullpen. Their weakest part of their game, the weakest part of their team, their bullpen. So you know you're not out of this game. And Jason Alexander, he's giving up weak contact for the most part. He's about to face 7-8-9 in the batting order for the Cubs. So you feel like this should be it for Jason Alexander as long as he pitches it well. Knowing going into this game, too, you were not going to have the big three available, assuming that. Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader had pitched all in high leverage in each of the last two games, thrown a lot of pitches. Obviously, Josh Hader was not very effective on Monday. They were certainly looking forward to giving him a day off. Brad Boxberger, you know, as ice water as it was walking off that mound, that had to expend some energy, that crazy top of the 10th inning on Monday. And Devin Williams has thrown each of the last two games. He's been worked a lot as of late. So I knew Craig Counsel was be looking to give those guys a day off. That was common sense. So for your high leverage guys, Hobie Milner and Trevor Gott were your only guys really available for high leverage because remember Gustave also pitched on Monday. When you look at Souter, and then in addition to Gott and Milner, you would try to save Souter for a situation where you when you need length and maybe bring in Milner for a high leverage situation, a left on left moment. When I look at that sixth inning, 7-8-9, do up again. So it was Gomes, Velasquez, and Bodie do up. It started off that inning in the sixth with Gomes, a just bloop single in the left field. And I'm thinking, oh, man, all right, this, that's how it always starts, right? A little blooper. But you remember it's Jason Alexander, ground ball specialist. And you're thinking, all right, this is going to be the chance to, to get out of it. Well, Velasquez hits a ripped single back up the middle. Hard contact from Velasquez. So runners on first and second and nobody out. And the bottom of the order coming up. But then he got the fourth time through lurking on deck. This is where I think Craig Council was trying to squeeze a little more out of Jason Alexander than was was actually there. It's easy to sit here and be armchair manager. Uh, I've done it a couple of times this season on this podcast. But my question would be, why not at least have an arm ready Once those first two guys got on and get somebody up, get somebody moving to face the top of the order. And specifically, Rafael Ortega, a left-handed hitter. Maybe Homie Milner could have fit into that spot. And then, knowing Milner, he's been doing well against righties. Nico Horner was the next batter, a knack for contact. And then Ian Happ, a switch hitter. So it wasn't going to be a massive split issue for Milner. He's been getting both sides of the plate out. In Craig's defense, I think the reason he didn't go to Milner is because he wanted to save him just in case there was another high leverage situation down later in the game, knowing he didn't have his big three available. So if you're asking why would he go to Souter there? Why did he go to Souter? Knowing he didn't he needed to get out of that inning, obviously, to to have a chance, but Ortega is the one who delivered the big blow, the the two run triple in the right field that made it a six to two game. My one critique of it, I understand going to Suter. I totally get it. My critique would have been go to Suter for Ortega. Go left on left there and see what you get out of it. If he still hits a triple, so be it. But we talk about how dangerous it is for pitchers, for starters specifically, to face a lineup for a third time through. How rare is it that you see it a fourth time through? That was my one qualm with that. I understand Craig's handcuff moment there of knowing... He, if the Brewer made a comeback, who is he going to go to if, if when he already burns Milner in, in the sixth inning? He's going to need to rely on Gustave to go back-to-back days, and then he's going to need to rely at least an inning out of Suter, who's been pitching better as of late, but here he has a tough one against the Cubs yesterday. It, it was a game that a perfect storm is a bad cliche, but it's true. Because the you know, the Cubs made it tough on Monday— It made Tuesday even harder for the Brewers. When you talk about series wins and how hard it is to sweep, especially to sweep close games, given a 10-inning game on Monday, and now it was close for half this game, and then it falls apart late. How hard it is to sweep because you are using your main high-leverage guys multiple times, and it makes it a whole different dynamic when you know they're not going to be available the next day, and that is what we saw in yesterday's contest. Was it all on Craig for bringing in the wrong guy? No, I don't blame him at all for that. But that was just my head-scratching moment, but then realizing, man, it was just the one thing you hoped that the Brewers were going to be able to do was provide some offense. And it started off great and then fell apart. Let's talk about the offense. Before we do that, I want to tell you about one of our uh, sponsors here, one of our newest ones, actually, BlueNile.com. It's that time of year when it comes to proposal season, right? If you're thinking about popping the question this year, have our friends at BalloonIsle.com help you out whether you're ready to put put down one knee and go for that ring or if you're just celebrating something special. They can help you create a piece of jewelry that is unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping and the best bench jewelers in the biz and 24-7 chat via online or over the phone at BlueNile.com. There are simple tools if you're choosing an engagement ring to help you find the diamond shape, the size, the clarity, the setting style. They are the best of the best to help handcraft your perfect engagement ring. Every single one is one of a kind. They're the original online jewelry. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Expert advice 24-7 and, if you're not satisfied, 30-day returns. So, make your moment sparkle with Blue BlueNile.com. Locked on Brewers listeners are going to get $50 off any purchase of $500 or more. It's a podcast exclusive offer that includes engagement rings. So, use locked on, all one word, That's simple. Locked on is the promo code. Every single order is insured, it ships for free, and it will arrive in discreet packaging. Shop stress free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. The offense, it's the theme of the season, right? inconsistency that is what we've talked about all season long and you look at the 19 runs from friday night against pittsburgh and they scored seven in a losing effort with three runs in the top of the ninth inning against pittsburgh in that game they've been relatively quiet despite winning a few games as well you go back to the start of that st louis series uh on june 20th when they started off that big four game homestand uh against the uh Cardinals had then three against the the Blue Jays. Well, the Brewers are now 9-6 and in their last 15 games since the start of that homestand. The offense, man, the inconsistency is just really frustrating at this point in the year, past the halfway point. That, yes, Rowdy Telez gets off with a bang, two-run homer in the first inning. He made a little history in doing that, more on that in a second. But then ice cold for the rest of the game, and the perfect example of it, was looking at what happened in the uh, seventh inning for the Brewers, trying to form a rally, trying to show some life in this game. And instead, they load the bases with nobody out. You blink, and all of a sudden, the Brewers are in this, right? Leadoff walks. It's a, I mean, and McCutcheon walked on eight straight pitches. Wong ends up walking. They make a mound visit. They make a pitching change. Rowan Wick comes in, and you're thinking, okay. It's a four-run game, or it's a it's a six-run game, one swing, and all of a sudden you're right back in it, and these final three innings can be really interesting. Luis Arias hit it hard, but he lined out the short in nearly a massive base running blunder by Andrew McCutcheon at second base. Instead, he just barely gets back on a bad throw from the shortstop horner. And then the disaster strikes with a 4-6-3 double play off the bat of Jace Peterson. So they get bases loaded, nobody out. And didn't score a run. That summed it up, man. It it just it's so frustrating and perplexing to see this offense. Cause this is it. I mean, aside from Renfro being out on the injured list right now, this is pretty much your offense. You can't chalk this up to injuries right now. Willie Adamas is ice, ice cold right now in the two-hole. And McCutcheon, yes, he's drawing walks. His hitting streak is over with. He's still got a 14 game on base streak going right now. But aside from Rowdy Telez. You don't have a consistent extra base hit pop right now. Kutch got hot. He's starting to cool down a little bit. Urias had that great road trip. He's cooling down right now, too. It seems like it's just all like this. It's all like a heartbeat monitor. It's just up and down, up and down. We're hot right now. We're cold right now. We're hot right now. We're cold right now. There's no consistency. They're consistently inconsistent, if you will. So when it it comes back to, I've talked about and talked with Brewers fans about this a lot on Twitter in that, Oh, just go get a bat. Just go get a guy, who's available. That's gonna fix consistency. It's it's not just oh go get this guy and it's gonna all work out. It, I don't see it like that. It's gonna get expensive too, as the longer you wait, the more urgent things will get. And then you also run the risk of you know that player that you're searching for getting injured or uh, somebody else getting injured. What would you be looking at? And there's a great article. Uh, that Will Salmon put out uh, in The Athletic. Uh, he just posted it yesterday. Would really encourage you to read it. I don't want to just pluck straight off of it, but it's in The Athletic. Pay for your journalism. I think they're having a sale right now, too. Go go read it in The Athletic. Will Salmon talked to a lot of scouts and evaluators about what the brewers have in their farm system, uh, of what to maybe expect of who gets moved, who, things like that. Again, today is the anniversary of Rowdy Telez being acquired uh, can you even rem- remind yourself who the Brewers traded to get Rowdy Tellez, mind you? Give you a couple seconds. Well, remember, we've talked about Trevor Richards being part of that Rays trade from Willie Adamas, who then they flipped to get Rowdy Tellez, but also Bowden Francis was part of the, uh, the trade as well. Bowden actually made his big league debut this year with the uh, Blue Jays earlier this year. He pitched in one game of the show, uh, Got two outs, got a strikeout as well. In AAA this year, Bowden has an 848 ERA in 52 innings. Not saying every trade works out like that, but that's the kind of stuff that the Brewers are already working the phones, trying to figure out aside from the top guys that everybody knows things about that maybe you would be considering untouchable. Where do you find the pieces that you find expendable? and other teams have a need for. I, again, I encourage you to read Will Salmon's article. I'm not just going to sit here and quote it verbatim, but one thing that's noted in it is that the three top prospects for the Brewers, according to MLB Pipeline, they're pretty much considered untouchable, especially Jackson Trurio, who's only 18 years old, and he's in A-ball. He's in low A, in Zebulon and the Carolina Mudcats right now. And when you talk about 18 years old and a, and a international signee, they're a long ways away anyway. So if a team wanted to take a chance on Trurio that'd take a very big price of somebody that— it's a team that would want him as a team that's not competing in the next two years. They're willing to take on the project. is an outfield prospect, 18 years old, six one, 165 pounds. Looking at his numbers right now in A-ball in his first year stateside, he's hitting 316. He's got nine home runs, 38 runs batted in. His OPS is 942, and he's 18 years old. Great stuff from him. How about Sal Freelich? Sal, of course, the first-round pick last year by the Brewers out of Boston College. This year, he has split time between high A and double A. Uh, He's been injured a little bit this year with a leg issue. Uh, He's only played in 53 games now this season. He's only played 88 games in the minors in total. He's got an 834 career minor league OPS. This year in Biloxi in AA, uh, in the 32 games he had played, he had two homers and 13 runs batted in. But he also had a 7.79 OPS at the age of 22. Again, a first-round pick last year, probably not going to let him go this quickly. And then you got Joey Weimer, who's also currently in A right now. Weimer, 23 years old. He spent all year in Biloxi so far. He's played in 68 games. He's got 15 bombs in the Southern League, which is a notorious pitcher's league. He's got 45 runs batted in and an 827 OPS. Strikes out a lot. We know that. We've seen his swing. He strikes about one one in every three plate appearances. So some teams may shy away from the lack of contact from Joey Weimer. Those are just the top three prospects. Obviously, the farm system goes a lot deeper than that. And that's where you may see the trades pop up. Are you going to go after a Christian Walker from the Diamondbacks? Or do you have enough to afford Josh Bell? Uh, Talking about first baseman, Walker, first baseman, Bell, a first baseman. That would make it a platoon with Roddy Tellez at first base and give a little more pop in the middle of this order. Walker's got 20 home runs. Bell's having an incredible year in his free agency year. Do you go center field? Do you go and try to get Ramon Laureano? Do you try to add somebody else as far as just a plug-and-play bat? It's... One of those things that you don't want to blow it up the don't want to blow up the future because let's be honest, the the right now the team as an organization, the ranking is lower than it's been in a long time. It's in the bottom third right now, as far as MLB pipeline goes. Where do the brewers decide what they want to do? And I think a lot of this, don't forget, hinges on Freddie Peralta and Adrian Hauser's health. You're banking on those guys returning to form in August after the trade deadline. So you're hoping that, okay, if you're going to trade somebody, you're going to go trade for some offense, that you're banking on those guys returning to form and becoming the guys that you're relying on that you thought they were going to be at the start of the year. In the event that there's a setback, in the event that they're not the same guy that they were before their injury, now you've traded the farm, you've gone for a rental, and it hasn't worked out, not because the rental isn't playing poorly, but because the pitching that you thought you had isn't working out either. These are... This is the tightrope walk that David Stearns and Matt Arnold are walking right now. You've got a little less than four weeks. August 2nd is the trade deadline. What will the Brewers do? I think those three names I named, chorio O'Friellick and, Re- and Weimer, seem to be untouchable. But hey, we've all been wrong before. We've all been wrong before about who's untouchable and things of that nature. Let's get ready for Corbin Burns Day here. Let's Let's turn the mood around of this podcast to wrap up your Wednesday here. And remind you first that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest developments, league reviews, news, including, of course, Major League Baseball. Uh, In case you were interested, if you're living in a state that gambling is legal, uh, this is the second biggest spread of the day, at least money line of the day, I should say, uh, with Corbin Burns on the mound. Minus 240 today uh, with him on the mound. The bigger one is Christian Javier and the Astros taking on the Royals. Of course, the Royals are not a very good team, just like the Cubs are. Uh, Christian Javier, who's been on fire as of late. That's a minus 260 money line for the Astros over the Royals. Anyway, you can find all of that at betonline.net, the best spot for all your scores, podcasts, and news. You can head to their website today or use your phone to learn about the trends and get in on the action at betonline where the game starts. Corbin Burns getting the ball against Adrian Sampson. Uh, we talked briefly about Sampson in the season preview, in the series preview. Samson's been up and down a little bit in AAA and the big leagues making his third start of the year with the Cubs and Burns man he just continues to pitch well everyone wants to talk about Sandy Alcantara he pitched yesterday he pitched well tip of the cap Sandy has been a tremendous pitcher this year but look Corbin Burns to do it again when the target is on your back and everybody knows what you have it's also very very impressive Corbin coming off of a weird start against the Pirates. Tied a career high with four walks despite only allowing one hit and one run in six innings of work. But you look back, since his clunker against the Phillies at home on June 9th, his last four starts, he's 4-0, 26 and two-thirds innings, 32 strikeouts, a 2.03 ERA. Opponents are hitting just 144 against him. Let's see what the walks are doing. He's allowed multiple walks in each of his last three starts. And in fact, in four, in five of his last six starts not very Corbin Burns like let's see if he gets the command back in order and mind you Eric Lauer just got 23 swings and misses in Monday's win Uh, the Brewers as a team had 37 swings and misses against the Cubs that tied for the high of any team this season in a game in Major League Baseball that tied with the Tampa Bay Rays and that tied with the Seattle Mariners the only catch though is the Mariners were the only ones that did it in a nine inning game The Brewers, obviously, on Monday was a 10-inning game, and the Rays accomplished their 37 swings and misses in a game that went 11 innings. But anyway, for Burns, he's facing a team that he has so much success against and a team that swings and misses a lot against a guy that is a swing-and-miss pitcher. In Corbin Burns' career now against the Cubs, of course, last year he had the 10 consecutive strikeout game with 15 total, which is still his career high to this day. Burns, in his career... Against those cubbies. Here's the lot. Here's the numbers. He has made thirteen appearances, seven of them are starts, two and two record, three point six oh ERA. Mind you, that includes the tough years in eighteen and nineteen. And then he got back on track in twenty twenty. So when you just look at the last two years, five starts in the last two years, he's allowed a total of eight earned runs in thirty-two innings. Quick math here, live on the show as you, as I calculate this on Baseball Reference. That's a 2.25 ERA in the last two years against the Cubs. The strikeout totals, phenomenal. 50 strikeouts in 32 innings. Let's do some more quick live math here. 450 divided by 32. His strikeout rate against the Cubs is 14.06. 14 strikeouts per nine innings on average against the Cubs in the last two years. Oh, mind you, he's only got seven walks against them in the last two years too to go with those 50 strikeouts. He's the stopper. He's the guy that's going to try to get back on track, get the Brewers moving, and get them with a series win and enjoy a happy off day on Thursday. We can sit here and complain about the offense and throw a pity party. Oh, my gosh, they're consistent, Inconsistent. We know. They're inconsistent. But you win tomorrow, you win today, and you try to get back on track and try to show – what you can do against these pirates. Remember, at the start of this 10 game stretch where the Brewers are facing non competitive teams, Pirates, Cubs, Pirates, I requested I'd be happy with seven and three. Well, that means the Brewers have to win each of the next four games to accomplish seven and three. Eight and two would have been the stretch goal. That means three series wins. Well, you had a split against the Pirates. Now you got a rubber game against these Cubs. And to achieve seven and three, you'll need to sweep the Pirates after winning this series against the Cubs. Look, some teams just have your number. We've talked about it last year with the uh, the Brewers facing the AL Central remember that they couldn't figure out the AL Central for some reason. Now this year it seems like it's the Cubs. The Brewers are 6 and 6 against the Cubs. Last year, the Brewers they went 2 and 1 against the White Sox, but yet they went 0 and 4 against the Kansas City Royals and 1 and 3 against the Tigers. And against Cleveland, they swept them 3 and 0 in September when they were starting to tear things down. And of course, he had the no hitter, but last year it was the Central. Then you look at the Brewers went three and three against the Marlins last year. They went two and four against the Twins last year, two and five against the Phillies last year. And just to help you, you know, kind of calm down a little bit, that bad teams beat good teams all the time in baseball. Uh, at the time of recording, the Diamondbacks are beating the Giants right now, six to two. The Pirates beat the Yankees today in uh, Pittsburgh yesterday. Bill Mazeroski actually threw out the first pitch in that game. That was a cool moment in that one. Uh, also, the looking around here at the rest of the scores, the A's beat the Blue Jays again by a final of 5-3. They have won each of the two games in Oakland against the Blue Jays. So it happens. Okay? It happens. Let's try to get a series win. Flush it. Then you don't see the Cubs again for a little while. Okay? Brewers And Cubs, 105 first pitch, or 110 first pitch. Coverage begins at 1230. Corbin Burns against Adrian Sampson. Hope you all tune in on Valley Sports Wisconsin. Quick episode, no need to pity, no need to worry. However, the urgency is going to start turning up here soon. We're almost at that point. We're almost at the All-Star break. Let's see what kind of Brewers team shows up here today against the Cubs. And let's try to be louder than the Cubs fans. I'm not blaming you. There's a lot of them. I get it. I get the nicknames and everything, but man, I am just, just kind of boils me. I guess I'm becoming a Milwaukee native now when it boils my skin when I hear a Let's Go Cubbies chant at American Family Field. Just not right, man. Just not right. I understand. There wasn't much cheer about yesterday. Anyway, let's have some fun today. And 50% tickets. It's Kids and Seniors Day. It's summertime. If you got your kids thinking about going to a game, come take them to see Corbin Burns see you at the ballpark all right let's have some fun We're right back here tomorrow same time same place wherever you get your pods i'm domina Catronio. thanks for listening until next time keep on swinging you are locked on brewers your daily milwaukee brewers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day